Hello and welcome to Decoding Security. Ransomware was a big topic in 2017 and it doesn't look like it's going anywhere anytime soon. Today, Jessica and Ram are going to be discussing ransomware and what you can do to deal with it, uh, both on the aspect of preventing it as well as what to do if you have a computer that's infected with ransomware. Uh, before we get into that though, Jess, what do we have in the news today? So starting in the news this week, something that I've been affectionately calling the Strava Bacle. Mm, sounds like a delicious Greek pastry. <laughs> which refers to the Strava app that's used to track running, cycling, swimming, exercise type stuff uh, using GPS through either your phone or wearables like Fitbits or Jawbones. An Australian student found that the review of 2017 Strava public activity actually gave a pretty good outline of some military bases in pretty remote locations like Iraq and Syria, as well as one Twitter user pointing out that there appears to be a pretty clean jogging route around the CIA annex at the Mogadishu airport that nobody's even supposed to know about. You mean all the places that Google Maps blots out? Exactly, yeah. All of those places are publicly available if you're sharing your GPS coordinates through your Strava app. Turns out that the app actually came with Fitbits that were given to U.S. military members and CIA agents. Maybe they wanted to keep tabs on them and just, you know. Strava is now looking at uh, whether or not they need to block out certain locations from their public heat map. Um, the other thing that they're pointing out is that the default is not public sharing. So anybody who was running, you know, jogging around CIA annexes had to have their settings set to share the, that location through the app. Uh, nothing that's private was shared. There was no data breach here. This was a matter of user error to an extent, people not realizing the ramifications of their their settings. The, the app is designed, the public heat map is designed to actually help runners find new trails or running buddies, that kind of thing. Uh, but you know, obviously there were some holes in it. Well, if I ever take up jogging, I'm totally going to Mogadishu. Seems like they have a pretty good jogging trail. Yeah, it looks like a great trail right on the beach, too, at the airport. So what else is going on in the world today, Ram? Uh, ATM jackpotting, which is, I mean, it's been a thing in the rest of the world since like 2010 uh, that they someone demonstrated at a black hat convention then. Uh, but surprisingly, until uh, November of last year, it wasn't seen in the U.S. And uh, the two stories about it uh, kind of got buried in local news until, well, a couple days ago. I think Brian Krebs broke the story on it. Uh, anyways, uh, there is a variant of uh, ATM malware that affects Diebold machines mm -hmm. oh that name's really familiar don't they make voting machines too anyway they do which we we already know are vulnerable to compromise anyway the attack is kind of similar uh in an atm machine you know the place where they actually keep the money is like heavily secured and like super uh armored but i should hope so but the uh, actual computer case uh has a lock that can be I wouldn't say easily picked, but picked, or you can use a stolen master key on it. Or they also use endoscopes to, like, you know, the kind you buy on Amazon or the... Like uh, the kind that doctors use. Yeah, those ones. Yeah. Uh, to basically, they can also, like, drill a hole in the side of the casing and uh, put in some sort of a debug tool to attach to the motherboard of the, uh, of the ATM machine. Anyways, uh, what they do is... Uh, They'll install this malware on ATMs, and a lot of the time they'll actually, you know, send some people by later and, you know, give them a code, and they'll just 
have the machine spitting out money, you know, several thousand dollars in a few minutes. Uh, and the, the malware is set up nicely enough that it even allows the people running the gang to keep track of exactly how much money they've spit out so they can make sure that, you know, their pickup people aren't stealing from them. That's insane. I know, right? And clever. Yeah. Wow. Yes. We also have some, uh, on a lighter note, I hear you have something interesting. On a lighter note, uh, the Oxford English Dictionary released its class of 2018 words, and it included the topic of today's show, which is ransomware. It's now defined in the dictionary as a type of malicious software designed to block access to a computer system until a sum of money is paid. That reminds me of that joke. You know why hackers never get caught, right? No, why? They ran somewhere. That was worth several groans. Several. Uh, Other words, other internet-type words that were included this year are selfie and e-shopping and esque. So ESC, as in the escape key on your computer, just ESC is now a word. Hopefully I'll be able to play it in words with friends. It's really weird because I use that key way more in the 80s than I do now. You know, and it's interesting. The article that I found on it actually points out that on most Windows computers, it's capital ESC. So it's obvious that it's short for escape. Mm-hmm. But on Apple, it's always been lowercase ESC, which is how it was entered into the dictionary, effectively making Windows computers considered to be old-fashioned, ah. which we all know how Topher feels about well, that. Well, they do right? use carriage returns, just like typewriters. <laughs> so now that we know that ransomware is in the dictionary, let's talk about it, Ram. Uh, you mean other than my terrible joke? Yeah. Other, redeem yourself now. Basically, ransomware encrypts all the information on a system. The thing about encryption is that's supposed to be more or less irreversible unless you have the key. And then they put a nice little note that says, hey, uh, we've encrypted all your files. If you want them back, uh, pay us half a Bitcoin to this address. I've seen not just Bitcoins, too. So I guess there there have been attacks that go after specifically, and I don't want to say this, but let's be real, right? Old people. And their computers, where they'll go and encrypt, like, all of their grandkids' uh, pictures on their computer. And then they'll say, if you want your precious family memories back... Send us a Western Union. Or or an Amazon gift card. Oh, or an yeah. iTunes gift card. Oh, yeah. Because, iTunes gift cards are big in the... Yeah, because mm-hmm. they can basically just be emailed to a Gmail account that you can create on the fly. And then there you have it. And then they'll, they'll claim to actually decrypt or, in some cases, restore if the, if the hacker is not savvy enough to encrypt. They'll just delete the content and, and ask for a Bitcoin or a gift card to restore it back to the machine. Yeah, honestly, most of the time they don't ever actually unencrypt or restore the stuff. No, and a lot of times, even if they do, they're corrupted. So mm. even if you do pay the ransom, you're probably not going to get your stuff back. That makes sense. The FBI says that reports are rising of ransomware, but those are just the ones that are being reported every day. We have no idea and almost no way of tracking how many local machines, how many businesses that actually backed up their stuff were attacked by ransomware. A lot of times the only way that you can kind of solve a ransomware problem short of paying the ransom is to just completely wipe and re-image or, or restore your computer or the server or whatever happens to be infected with it. So it goes largely unreported, but we are seeing more and more hospitals, schools, financial institutions being attacked by ransomware where they're decrypting things like personal private medical records, social security numbers, transactional information, that kind of thing. And you have to think that if they were able to get in and encrypt it, 
they've already stolen that data. So it's not just a matter of how can you get it back, but it's also probably a data breach issue too. This is true. I actually even heard about this one guy who made a uh, joke ransomware where uh, in order to get all your files decrypted, you had to beat like a super hard like bullet hell game. And then it was meant as a joke, but a bunch of people actually like distributed it into the wild and started using it to actually monetize. <laughs> because of course they did. Yeah, because the road to hell is paved with good intentions, right? So one of the reasons that this keeps happening that I've seen, and the FBI has even gone so far as to say, it continues to happen because businesses continue to allow it to happen. Are you trying to tell me that people should back their apps up? Yeah, you should back that app up, Ram. Okay. I thought he was supposed to be redeeming himself. I I don't know if he knows what the word means. I'm pretty sure I'm irredeemable. <laughs> <laughs> Much like your data after it's been ransomware. <laughs> On a serious note, it, it goes beyond backups. It's, it's not just a matter of having an incident response plan and backups, which are critical, but also updates. Uh, one of the biggest vectors of ransomware in 2017 was the WannaCry vulnerability. Oh. And that impacted Windows machines that weren't updated in a, a timely manner. And a lot of times enterprise businesses, places like call centers, won't update their Windows machines because they have internally built software that relies on having an older version. I remember those. I, I remember working in call centers that were still running XP in like... 2010. Mm -hmm. That sounds familiar. Yeah. I, we may have all. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> the decoding crew goes way back. It's true. <laughs> so how can you protect yourself from ransomware, Ram? First thing, backups, backups, backups. One more time. Back backups. Back up. <laughs> Keep your stuff updated. Uh, this means Windows. This means Linux, if you use it. This means your Mac. And they can, in fact, get ransomware. A lot of ransomware is delivered through user error. So we'll see things like spear phishing campaigns or fake Adobe updates. Didn't we talk about that last time? We sure did. Huh. Imagine that. All cybersecurity is related. And all of it refers to don't do stupid things on your computer. The user is the weakest link. Remember, 99% of hacking is not being super clever. 99% of hacking is just taking advantage of other people. Yeah, so it's not really a matter of the old myth of Macs can't get viruses. It's a matter of people clicking on things that they can't trust or shouldn't be clicking on, and that's what actually downloads and delivers the ransomware. So don't think that just because you're running a Linux kernel or a Mac that you're completely invulnerable. Nothing is without risk. Right, and more and more uh, we're seeing JavaScript that that is actually implementing the ransomware. And that's gonna work no matter what computer you're on. They don't have to write it just for Windows or Mac or Linux anymore. That's more exactly. a case of having an up-to-date browser that does proper sandboxing. But I've also worked in call centers where you couldn't update the browser for like you know several dozen versions. If you're running a business, the most important thing is to make sure that your systems are updatable and that your internal applications are both secure and evergreen. They will work with future versions. They don't rely on old kernels or old contingencies. Obviously, your users, your employees probably don't need admin access, but the ability to update browsers would probably at least help them. So custom permissions, things like that. And ransomware is not going away. This is probably going to be around for a while because it's easy, it's a crime of opportunity, and it's relatively quiet. Uh, but it's not the only thing on the rise, right? Yeah, uh, they're actually uh, seeing a rise in uh, crypto miners 
browser-based and on actual systems themselves, uh, things that run on the ba- run on the background that are guaranteed to make money for the uh, attackers rather than things that might make money. Mm-hmm. I mean, they don't make as much per victim, but... But they can attack more victims, whereas ransomware might net you $250 per single victim, but that's if the victim isn't following all of the protocols that are being talked about, like not paying the ransom, restoring their own stuff. So you have a, a, a lower chance of success, but a higher profit if you do win. Yeah, as whereas cryptocurrency mining, uh, but unless you get caught, you're guaranteed to make some money. On exactly. Right. Yeah, even though cryptocurrency miners are on the rise, we're still probably going to see your ransomware for a while. Uh, so we are going to have to come up with good ways to fight it and... Uh, That brings me to the final tip. So we're going to talk about your incident response plan next week in detail. But today, the tip that I want everybody to walk away from our podcast with is backups. The rule of three, which is something that we've touched on previously. Is that the one where if if you infect someone with malware, they'll infect you with three times as much? Backups are not a chain letter. Malware is not a chain letter. What are we doing here? Why have we not kicked him off the podcast? I have no idea. It's because he's got magical powers. He's got us all under his spell. The rule of three is that when you make a backup, you should actually have three copies, one local, one in the cloud or offsite, and one on physical media. We could do a whole episode just on backups, but this is probably the one thing that everyone should do. You should have one on your local system or your hosting account. You should have one on a cloud like a Google Drive or a Dropbox or whatever cloud storage provider you trust or offsite on another machine, even in the same office is fine. And then one on physical media, CD, DVD, flash drive, whatever. Tape. If you're old school, yeah, if as long as it's viable and it's restorable and you know where it is, uh, your backup should be incremental and on three in three places. I think Jessica and Ram, hopefully people start uh, backing up their computers a little more often, being prepared for uh, the inevitable ransomware attacks that we've been seeing more and more of. Uh, And also, I'd like to thank all of you for either listening or watching us on YouTube. Uh, And be sure to come back in two weeks when we will be discussing uh, incident response and disaster recovery, diving a little bit deeper into those topics. The music, Upbeat Forever, by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 License. Decoding Security is hosted by Jessica Ortega and Ram Gall and produced by Topher Tebow for SiteLock.